0: what's up everybody welcome back inside the letterman row studios and welcome to another off-season report defensive edition because it's the first defensive week of our position weeks defensive line week we're going to break it all down uh that's andy baxter on the other side of that screen that's tim may the 40-year vet on the other side of that screen i'm spencer holbrook uh rocking a hoodie in june it is terrible i hate the weather in columbus right now we've had nothing but cloud cover for a couple weeks give me sunshine or give me something not death uh Give me defensive line coverage, guys. Uh, We're going to talk all things defensive line tackles and ends. um, Where it all starts for this defense, Tim, we've seen Ohio State for years uh, operate inside out with this defense. The corners are good because the defensive line gets pressure. The linebackers are good because the defensive line can cover gaps in the running game. That has not been the case the last couple of years. And I think this defensive line unit knows it. It knows it has a chip on its shoulder. It needs to be better and it will be better this year. Uh, What say you,
1: Tim? I say, hi, Spence, and uh, and hi, Andy. And number two it was just like this weather-wise through for most of the U.S. Open. I was at uh, at Los Angeles Country Club. You wouldn't have expected it, but so I'm used to it. But then past that, we've talked about this before many times, man. If this defense is going to really step up and be that unit, uh, everyone thinks it can be in the second year under Jim Knowles. And and Jim Knowles will say it without saying it. I mean, you know, the word he uses is consistency. Uh, uh, this defensive line at times last year was really good. I'm talking about the defensive front. We saw what JT Tui Moloow did as our one-man wrecking crew, the, maybe the greatest single performance by defensive end in Ohio State history in, in, in one single game. In my opinion, it was just on what all he did at Penn State. But he didn't do that every week you know, and he, uh, that was what was missing uh, from this defense as much as anything else. And it's, it's always easy to blame the last line of defense, but uh, how did he get to the last line of defense, which is a secondary, you know, there are a lot of things that defensive front can do. I know this is football one-on-one, but it's the basics. It's why I think this is going to be a much better defense this year, maybe dramatically improved is because I really like what's coming back uh, on the defensive front, starting with the two defensive ends, JT Tui Moloao and Jack Sawyer, starting inside, you know, with the guys, whoever, whatever mix and match you want to do from a starting standpoint. But they got four or five guys that have played uh, and played a lot. And if they can get Mike Hall to play uh, on a consistent basis, meaning uh, from a health standpoint, look out because he is special. And then, of course, Taiwan Malone transferring in from Ole Miss, just added to that bunch uh, between the ends, uh, the books between the uh, bookends, I think uh, they have a really good chance of being much better because of that group.
0: Yeah, Andy, I think it starts, you know, a lot of times teams start with defensive tackle, but with this particular Jim Knowles system, I think it starts with defensive end. uh, And that group starts with JT Twimolo. I know Jack Sawyer has been met with a lot of fanfare. Uh, not only from this program, but the entire Ohio State beat um, because of the way that that he speaks to the media and the way that he's kind of, you know, outspoken and just the expectations that come with being a Central Ohio five-star prospect. But, you know, Jack Sawyer's making that move from the Jack-Leo hybrid position to defensive end, whereas JT Tuimoloa has got a year at defensive end under his belt. I think this entire operation starts and ends with JT Two And uh, I'm going to write about – I actually have written about it at lettermonroe.com. On Tuesday, JT, this unit will go as JT Tuimolovao goes.
2: Andy, he's got to be more consistent. I mean, we've seen him have the performance, like Tim mentioned, against Penn State, which I, I still don't understand how he did that, causing four turnovers basically by himself. But really, when you look at his season, thirty-two pressures generated, which is impressive, but it hasn't always translated to sacks. And if you're thinking about a defense that needs to finish better. JT to Emolowale is certainly part of that equation and getting the quarterback actually down behind the line of scrimmage and but you know it's it's not just on him as you mentioned Jack Sawyer really needs to live up to this top 5 recruit status as well and there's really just a pressure on all of this defensive line especially the defensive ends but you know you can only go long for so long on the recruiting trail touting the names of Joey Bosa, and Nick Bosa and Chase Young and maybe even like a Sam Hubbard nowadays like That only works for so long. This is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of business. And I know recruits will eat that up for years, but if you can't keep producing first-round, second-round talent, I know Zach Harrison went in the third round, but for a program that prides itself on its pass-rushing legacy, I think there's a lot of pressure on these two in particular, and Jack Sawyer and JT Tui-Molowell, but really this entire unit to start producing. Because if you look at last year in the recruiting cycle, they whiffed on there are three top five-star uh, priority defensive end targets, Keon Keeley, Dan Wilson, uh, Mateo, U And, you know, you can't have another cycle like that. I know Larry Johnson is super accomplished, but I think there's some pressure here to really produce this season.
0: Yeah, Tim, and, you know, it's not just defensive ends. we got to cover the, the tackles too. Uh, a, a little bit in the same vein, Tim, I, I think back to 2019, you had Devon Hamilton stuff in the middle there, and he was really, really good. Well, since then, it's been an expectations game, and a game that has not been met. Those expectations have not been met. You look at Teron Vincent, Haskell Garrett in twenty twenty. I guess Haskell Garrett was an All American by a couple different different uh, platforms, and he was pretty good. But in twenty twenty one, he struggled. Tommy Tokiai didn't really live up to expectations that that people had for him. Left uh, oddly, left a year earlier than many expected, and has you know been a fringe NFL guy. Now you look at. You know, Teron Vincent last year, Jaron Cage, after a pretty successful 2021, just didn't really do, uh, I don't want to say didn't do enough, but didn't do as much as maybe you would expect from that group, and now it's just another year of high expectations for defensive tackles. It's it's really a game of, can you meet them, and can Mike Hall be what everyone thinks he can be if he's healthy? Can Ty Hamilton be like what his brother was, and you hate to compare him to his brother, but that's what it is? Can Tyreek Williams finally be on the field for more than four or five plays without looking like he needs an oxygen mask. I mean, it's a unit that has a lot of talent on that interior, but it's also a unit that's got to meet some expectations that simply haven't been met the last few years.
1: Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, just like Tommy Togiai, we wish he'd stayed one more year, just like, you know, we were talking about, you know, several weeks ago about the offensive line, uh, Luke Whippler, you wish he'd stayed one more year, you know? what? How much better would his draft stock have been? I'm talking about Tommy Togiai. Uh, because he was just really coming into his own and uh uh of course he didn't get to play what against uh well, was against Alabama in the national championship game. He had a hell of a game against Clemson uh so you know just wow the the future's there and what that could have brought but you know he decided to step on with like you just said, you know defensive <clears throat> there are very few defensive tackles that I've seen even across the board in college football. there have been some freaks. Uh, but very few who just stepped in right out of high school and just made a huge impact. It is always a development process, much like offensive line, much like uh, uh, the interior of an offensive line usually. And I think they're going to reap the benefits of Ty Hamilton, just like they did of Devon Hamilton, his older brother, several years ago. I mean, that's a guy that this is a young man, Ty Hamilton, seems to have really grown into his body, (laughs) That's a funny thing to say, but uh, definitely has grown into his body now and is becoming a force. Tonic Williams, you know what? I'm not that all hell-bent on he's got to be in there for eight straight plays to prove to me what he can do. It's just you would like like to see him make plays uh, like he did. I mean – he, you know, I'm trying to remember several of the plays he made. He made several plays against Georgia. Made several plays against Penn State. Uh, you know, different games. You can spotlight some big time plays uh, that he made. I'm talking about Tyreek Williams. You just want you do want to see, see him be more consistent. But if that's just three plays in a row, hey, that's good enough for me, man. They've got some depth there now, especially bringing on Taiwan Malone, and uh, you know, and like, and you got the young guys that could step up like Hero Canoe. There's a guy I've definitely got my eye on. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I think he's got a motor about him. Uh, he should be physically uh, more imposing than he was, you know, just coming out of high school. Uh, we'll see where he can go. But there's a guy that I'm very interested in seeing if he can step up uh, this fall. And then, uh, you know, right on down the line, it, it, when you when you look at uh, Mike Hall and just remember, remember that one – awkward press conference we had last year uh, in the middle of the season when we got to talk to when we got to talk to the GOAT and we were asking him about Mike Hall and about him possibly being the alpha dog you know the alpha dog that they were seeking and for a couple of plays like against Michigan State I think it was and a couple other games he looked like that alpha dog but you know he was an alpha dog with a with a bad wing, and uh, that's that's a that's mixing uh, metaphors there. And boy, if they can get him close to being a hundred percent healthy, or even ninety five percent healthy, and playing much more consistently, they got something going on. That's why it goes back to that word that uh, uh, Jim Knowles used: consistency. Man, Larry Johnson knows it. He talked about it when we got to talk to him a few weeks ago. Uh, consistency up front is what they're looking for. And they have the makings to be pretty damn good between the tie, between the ends.
0: Yeah, Mike Hall, seven snaps against Michigan State had four sacks. One of them got called back uh, for for a penalty. Uh, but seven snaps, four sacks, that's about as dominant as you could possibly about be. about as
1: alpha dog as you can get, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you look at Tyreek Williams, who had a fourth down stuff against Penn State, a really crucial play in five in yeah. State territory, uh, could have flipped that game on its head. Instead, Tyreek Williams gets in there and disrupts it. Uh, one of the the few times that he's really been dominant against the run, he's got to be better against the run. My call's probably got to be a little better against the run as well. Ty Hamilton's probably your best guy against the run, but you know you can't have him in there eight for seventy snaps a game. You got Taiwan Malone. You don't really know how good he's going to be because you haven't seen him, uh, you know, without a partial baseball bat in his hand at all times because he's always been had you know one foot in the batter's box, one one hand in the dirt, and so you just don't really know how good he's going to be. Then I look at a guy like. And I'm gonna highlight him a lot, even though we haven't seen him on the practice field. Jason Moore, who's stepping in as a top 60 overall player in the country from Damatha, plays at a really high level in high school, still is a top 60 prospect and is now listed on the Ohio State website at 290 at six foot four. I mean, that's a guy who can, it, can, it, can that be correct. I mean, he was a bigger kid and and yeah. he was originally listed as an edge, and then he just didn't make that switch from the scouts, the defensive line, because the body just, just looked like it was going to put weight on. And it certainly has. You look at a guy like Caden McDonald, who I think fits the similar profile uh, of Tyleek Williams and what he did as a freshman. It won't surprise me if Caden McDonald steps in and has a role as a freshman either. And so, you know, that defensive tackle spot, all of these things to say, Tim, there is plenty of talent.
1: Yeah, but, 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 you but and you just brought those young guys, but you got to have a year or two, man, to really – you can put on weight, but I mean to really put on that where it matters most. I mean, turning it into like muscle. I mean, I don't want to get into all that kind of baloney, but you know what I'm talking about. It it takes a while to even see if a guy goes from high school phenom to uh to major college phenom because the boxing matches on the inside and in college football games are so much more intense. You take so many more blows. Uh um uh, you know, from, from punches to collisions, et cetera. And uh, some guys can take it for a while and shy away, you know, and I don't mean to jump back to the defensive ends, but some you know, Caden Curry tried to put on some weight as a season went on last year at defensive end. And uh, now he's much more comfortable. He's come back weight wise a little bit. Now he's much more comfortable where he is, but it takes a while to grow into that uh, cr- to grow into that new body that you formulate under Mickey Marotti and his staff and the nutritionists and stuff. And, you know, and I'll just jump ahead too, man. I mean, the guy that really, I think opened all of our eyes in the spring was Kenyatta Jackson. Wow. What can that guy bring? I mean, if he looks anything like he did in the spring this fall, they got something going on at defensive end.
0: Yeah. Tim, Tim kind of took the transition there, Andy, but, but that's exactly where I was going to go, Tim. Great minds think alike here is like, you talk about guys who need a year. I think that 2022 defensive end class is the perfect example of guys who just needed a year. All three come in with, with big fanfare with, with high expectations. Omari Abor from a, a world, from a, you know, a top-notch high school program at Duncanville. You talk about Kenyatta Jackson from a top-notch high school program, like shamanan Madonna Prep. I'll, I'll say that name anytime I get the chance. So I'll make sure <laughs> that's where he's from every time. Kaden Curry, who, you know, Letterman Monroe always said, You know, even the previous iteration of Letterman Road, this is one of the most underrated guys in the 2022 class. I I still would stick by that. That 2022 defensive end class could make or break how good the overall product is on the defensive line because JT Tuimola and Jack Sawyer can't take all the snaps. And you've got no guys that are seniors. It's two juniors, three sophomores, and a couple of freshmen. And so, Andy, like that, that trio of defensive ends there, Abor, uh curry and kenyatta jackson who again like tim said looked really good in the spring they might be the deciding factor on how good this this defensive line truly can be andy
2: yeah and you lose javante jean baptiste so there's that third defensive end role that's available there and someone's going to step up and take that maybe it's a rotation because as we know larry johnson loves to rotate all these guys and he's not going to go away from that i know a lot of fans like to speculate why is JT 2 Moldaway, and, and Jack Sawyer not playing 70 snaps per game, but he's not going to deviate from this strategy to rotate these guys in and out It is his mindset that I think there's some merit to it, that, that. You want to have your guys playing at full speed all the time. So same thing, like Tim said with Tylee Williams, like maybe he doesn't need to be on the field for all those snaps, but if he's going hundred percent for the snaps, he's on the field for, that's the idea at Ohio State. And so, yes, we're going to see Kenny out Jackson. We're going to see Amari Abor, who, by the way, put on 19 pounds during the offseason and good weight, like looked really big and strong in spring. And then we're also going to, of course, see Caden Curry, who Ryan Day admitted kind of leveled off at the end of last season. He played double digit snaps in five of the first seven games last year and then played five defensive snaps in the, the rest of the way after that Iowa game. So he had his special teams roles and I'm kind of interested to see how much they use him on special teams and how much they use him on defense this season. But what he showed last winter, last spring, last fall camp, obviously earned him playing time. And if he can get back to playing like that, like his head's on fire. And uh, I think uh, he refers to, or he's been referred to as a maniac on special teams. If he just plays with that mentality, then Ohio state will have some good things in that defense event.
1: Yeah and I'm looking at I'm looking at and Curry and I'm just going you know I know you can't do this you know well, that's a guy that almost turned loose cuz he has a knack for getting to the football and or a knack for creating uh you know just watch him on video uh you know just isolate on him isolate him on video the few times he was in there last year he has a knack to getting to the action and uh and I know you can't just turn guys loose like I prefaced but uh there's a guy who definitely has some playmaking ability about him and that's what you're looking for is disruption chaos you know in this Jim Knowles second iteration um, uh, I'm not sure what the first iteration of lettermanrow.com was but in this second iteration of the Jim Knowles defense which I expect to maybe you know we talked about this before I expect it to be conservative is not the right term but I expect him as we talked about to really kind of put guys in positions and let them play their spots you know what I mean as opposed to maybe having to uh, do some magic tricks with personnel this year and maybe just see how that goes because he realizes uh, that he has some, in some spots, some superior talents on hand, but let them feel free enough to just go out there and make things happen. Uh, that'll be interesting because I think Caden Curry figures well on that. And I wanted to ask you guys, and maybe you're going to bring this up, Spence, but where does Mitchell Melton fit? you know, when we're, cause obviously we talked about him before, uh, in that, uh, Jack, that Leo spot, whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever they're going to name it this year. Uh, maybe if he gets it, be the, the M squared spot, but, uh, do we consider him a defensive end? I think we do. Right. But, uh, there's a guy that, uh, like I said, if, uh, if Jim still wants to play cards with somebody, he can throw that into the deck.
0: Yeah. Um, this is probably the hardest thing that I've had to decide for us as a staff this, this, uh, this summer is how do we cover the Jack Leo spot? Uh, wait, wait,
1: wait a minute. This is one of the hardest things you've ever had to decide. <laughs> no, for this summer. I mean like. Oh my goodness, man. No,
0: this summer I'm talking about specifically with these positions. I thought, you,
1: like, I thought you'd say whether I'd pull a six iron or a five iron here. Go ahead.
0: No, I, I I got a job to do, Tim. I got to think about the Buckeyes more than I do my golf game, but. Uh, oh, okay. It's, uh, you know. I was going to lump the Jack Leo – I don't really know even what to call it, which is even more confusing uh, – into defensive line week, uh, but I felt weird talking about a 340-pound freshman, Caden K- uh, McDonald, and 220-pound C.J. Hicks in the same sentence. Uh, yeah. So once I received some confirmation uh, through some sources inside the Woody over the last couple weeks since I've been back, that you know C.J. Hicks was a candidate to play that Jack role and and the other guy was Mitchell Melton. I think that's more of a linebacker discussion than it yeah. is a defensive end discussion, but you could sway me either way. And so maybe just, we'll just use the Jack Leo as a Jack Leo weekend and we'll do yeah. defensive line week Jack and that's Leo what, weekend and then linebacker yeah. week. Cause I don't know where to put them.
1: Well, that's what we ought to do. Cause you know, you got this idea, you know, CJ Hicks is that guy. He's that quasi linebacker safety. If Mitchell Melton's that guy, he's that quasi linebacker, Uh, defensive end you know what I mean that that gives you different looks just putting them in there you don't want it to be predictable you know when you when you substitute but sometimes if guys can make plays and we saw C.J. Hicks making plays all all spring getting to the getting to the getting to the football as I call it and uh, Mitchell Belton of course we didn't he's uh, they were really careful with him coming back from that knee injury from a year ago Uh, but you know the first thing is we want to see and like you're talking about is how available is Mitchell Melton? You know what I mean? And, uh, will he pass the, uh, for one of another term, the conditioning test, you know, uh, to be out there. And then, but you're, you're right. It is a, but it's the, it's major college football now. I mean, there are guys that play tweener roles, uh, swing roles. And where do you really pigeonhole them? Well, in a lot of defensive coordinators minds, they don't want you to be able to pigeonhole them. They want to be able to, uh, to roll the dice in different ways with those guys on the field and Mitchell Melton clearly could be one of those guys. So they were, you know, you remember this and Andy wasn't here then, but he is, he is now uh, stating the obvious, uh, they were pretty fired up about Mitchell Melton going into the spring last year, uh, just what he could bring to the table in that mix and match situation. So you're right. I mean, that maybe that's a whole, whole, uh, uh, video unto itself when we get to the end of this series, uh, is just wow, are we finally going to see the manifestation of what uh Jim Knowles has put together over the over, little over, over these many years? Or is he just going to play you straight up this year? <laughs> Andy.
2: Well, one guy we haven't mentioned that kind of fits into this conversation is Joshua Mickens because right now he's yeah. six foot five, two twenty-five. And the question is, does he put on that weight? Is this a developmental year? Or is he someone that can make a difference right away? You know, like maybe is that third person to be factored in for the jack i don't know how many snaps that would translate to but is that some role that they want to try to groom him into along with cj hicks and mitchell melton so that's another player we haven't talked about was kind of a late addition to that class flipped from lsu Uh, a lot of intrigue for his athleticism and his pass rushing ability pretty good bend fluid first step so someone we haven't talked about that i think needs to be considered there as well
1: yeah, an SEC an SEC type, as you as you say, right? I mean, I, I agree with you 100. I mean, I, they've got you know they've got some interesting uh, you know talking about uh, Spence having to make uh, hard decisions and stuff. They've got some interesting decisions to make because once preseason camp gets going, you you you, you don't want to do a whole lot of experimenting, right? You want guys in certain roles and uh, being able to like then uh, bring them along in those roles, and uh, you know, and the other curious thing to me is. You know, w- with with James Laurinaitis around now, does uh, Jim Knowles do even more of the coaching of that Jack? You know, that Jack position, which in his mind is pretty clear cut. You know, but uh, uh, with with a, somebody you're trying to bring along to coach it, is it as clear cut? I think I, that's what I'm saying. when the second in the second iteration of the Jim Knowles uh, 4-2-5 defense, I think we could see a lot of little subtle changes that, that will pay dividends.
0: Yeah, you just wonder with the jack position, you know, who comes off the field then, and yeah, that's a it's a catch twenty two. You want a, a another athlete out there in the jack role, uh, but you don't want to bring a guy off the field. And I think that's probably where I had the most trepidation about considering the jack a defensive end is just because, like in the Jim system at Oklahoma State, which I know is comparing apples to bananas here, but like they were playing a lot of linebacker stuff. I know Colin Oliver led that team with in sacks at. From a defensive end jack spot, but like if C.J. Hicks and Mitchell Melton are your two, I think that leans more toward the linebacker side of things than it does the defensive end side of things. And I know, like you said, they don't want to pigeonhole, but it's just a it's a great unknown right now for this defense yeah. is where where they where that jack spot fits in. I'm probably going to cover them more next week during linebacker week because well, there's only two guys starting, and I have less things to write about to be honest. But also because. I consider that more of a linebacker hybrid role than I do a defensive end hybrid role. Tim.
1: yeah, and then the thing about you know we've you know I've spoken about this many times. You know the three four defense, you only have three, de- three, three defensive linemen designated, for example, but one of those linebackers is going to be coming on almost any, especially on any pass play and stuff. Uh, just you just don't know which one. In a in a four two five, but with a jack in there it's kind of – it's almost like a – you know, it can be almost like a five-man front because you don't know if that jack's coming or not. Uh, That's what he implemented, in my opinion, at Oklahoma State brilliantly was you never knew what that guy was up to. And uh, in the Big Ten, uh, it's a little bit more definitive on what you've got to do up front. You know, you've you've got to be keen on stopping the run on every play. You've got to be gap sound on stopping the run – every play and then going from there against almost every opponent in the Big Ten. And so I think this melds more for Mitchell Melton, Mitchell Melton, if in fact he's ready to play, uh figuring more into this discussion about the defensive line than it does about the linebackers. But like you just talked about, Spence, he's going to be a quasi no matter what, right? And cool. uh he's not going to supplant JT Tui Molo on Jack Sawyer and in my opinion Kenyatta Jackson. And Caden Curry, but Kenyatta Jackson, especially the way he just came on in the spring, those are your defensive ends. So where's he going to figure in? It makes more sense or 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 fit in. That's what makes more sense, like you said, behind those guys.
0: Yeah, and you know that Jim Knowles defense when the Jack was really humming, uh, really confused Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma and and caused an upset win over Caleb. Oh Lincoln. yeah. The, the eventual Heisman Trophy winner a year later.
1: That's a clinic. That's a clinic video to watch on that one.
0: Yeah, that, that shows you what the talent, what the talent mixed with the scheme can do, uh, and the talent is even heightened here at Ohio State. The defensive line, uh, like Tim said, it all starts on the defensive line trying to stop the run. Ohio State has the defensive tackle talent to do that. They've got to meet the expectations. Defensive ends, you've got the talent to rack up a lot of sacks, like a 2019 type of, of effort from the unit. Uh, you got to live up to those expectations. The The standard is not changing at Ohio State like like our friend Bobby Carpenter like to say the standard is the standard. Uh, it's not going to change. So this defensive line unit has a lot to answer to uh, Letterman Monroe has a lot of answering to try to do in the preseason as part of defensive line week presented by Byers Auto. Uh, Andy Baxter on the other side of that screen. Tim May on the other side of that screen, the 40-year vet. We're here covering the Buckeyes defensive line all week long. We're covering the, every position group all summer long, and we cover the Buckeyes football program all year long at lettermanrow.com. Come be a part of it. We're building something special. Uh, the Letterman Lounge message board is popping off here lately. Uh, Matt Parker with the recruiting coverage. Got some pretty key interviews after Ohio State's official visit weekend. Uh, doing yes. a great job over there. We're just rolling right along through the summer. Big Ten Media Days will be here in no time and right on into training camp. Again, Andy Backstrom, Tim May, the 40-year event I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will see you back next week for Linebackers Week at LettermanRow.com. 18 plus.